Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Everyone, welcome to our first episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Requiem First Edition. Of course, as always, I'm your host, Bob, and I'm going to be accompanied on the regular uh, with two additional co-hosts. That's right, we have two mainstay co-hosts with me this time, no mixeroo. Uh, these fellas come to me as experts uh, when it comes to Requiem, very much how I am for Masquerade uh, and even Werewolf. They are this for a Requiem, as far as I can tell. And that is, of course, Mr. Chris Wong. Uh, Chris, it's hey, a pleasure, everyone. man. I'm waving my arms at the camera. You folks can't see me, but I'm very excited to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, and of course, our compatriot and friend, uh, we have Brennan. Brennan, how you doing? Hey, everyone. How uh, hope everyone's doing well in this winter wonderland outside. Brennan is feeling a little under the weather, but we're not going to let that stop him. Uh, that's, that's, that's his passion, by the way. He's going to be here because it's time. And he's been waiting for a long time for this. I hope everybody has. And uh, we're going to get to it. Now, before we... Uh, officially roll it out guys i know i feel your experts in the field definitely outstripping my knowledge when it comes to requiem hence why we we roll through it and mine is considerable however bow to you of course as always we hand off the torches i like to say uh but give us an idea uh what is your background uh starting with chris when it relates to requiem so when it starts to requiem i jumped on the bandwagon as soon as i saw the um new line come out i was a big fan of uh revised edition and when i had the opportunity to take a look at the new game come out i was like oh this is gonna be great and uh to me when i jumped into it it was it was great and it still is great for me i, I love requiem as it is in fact i own about 90 percent of the library uh, with a few small exceptions there but with the books there i was very much driven into uh, the lore which of course we'll speak about um everything that's coming along with it um and the way the game has proceeded from there since then i've been able to run many successful games with it um, any time I have the opportunity to play Requiem or invited to jump on a Requiem game, I am more than happy to do so because of the freedom it allows me. And out of curiosity, what's the longest campaign you've ran for Requiem? Uh, about a year. About a year? Okay. About a year. And- it was a nice, successful game. Um, it ended the same way. I guess we ended it like Seinfeld, where it got too good, where we didn't want it to like run out of steam. So we just ended it like one session <laughs> as if it was just another evening for elders. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Brennan, how about yourself? I got into Requiem in, uh, I remember it was 2015, uh, because uh, what, what actually got me looking into it was Paradox purchase uh, of the line, and I was looking, was like, how can I get into games locally, right? So it was just going up on meetup.com, and um, well, so I started LARPing it, uh, LARPing Requiem, and within like six months, I was uh, STing the the partner masquerade game and narrating in Requiem, I, I believe it was at that point, and I've been involved with it since then, so almost six years. At this point, and that is a uh, a thirteen year long running LARP. At this so, point, so absolutely a ton of experience uh, when it comes to that. Um, I, of course, consider any experience to be good experience, but it's a length of time to get the ups and downs, the ins and outs, bad experience. From that alone, Brent, I know for a fact you've seen some of the LARP, of the horror stories, and the great things about LARP come up in that yeah. span. That's going to be great to hear. Um, a little bit about me. Uh, it's when it comes to Requiem. When the Switch came over, I do mean the Switch. You know, they ended uh, World of Darkness for Vampire at a point, and we all know about that, right? The Gehenna line, that was that. And I immediately jumped on Requiem, which was the hope I'm positive of the company. And when I did that, I, I watched it fall, like the grace of Vampire fall, like someone put the sun on forever. Mm-hmm. And, and people just, people refused to buy the book. They refused to hear anything about it. They didn't want to discuss it. People didn't want to plan a campaign for it. And it started at the hobby. How I got drawn into a hobby shop to find a group to play vampire 
is that they st- they put a flag down and saying we do not run requiem here <laughs> was their mentality and i was like wow wow we gotta remember this is chicago it was a hot uh-huh. point for world of darkness larp you tabletop you name it did you i could find a larp game every day of the week and go to it for vampire and a tabletop mm-hmm. like every freaking weekend no problem but the moment that that Gehenna hit it stopped all of it it stopped all of it universal and the Requiem was like a few people who I noticed were the, to me, level-headed, right? Because I, because why? Because I was one of them. Yeah, I bought the book. I want to use it. There's got to be people somewhere willing to try it out. And then I noticed something. People do not like trying new things when they've already mastered something else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, but to me, it was like, well, why couldn't the people who made the product understand that? Right? That would be like going from D&D to Shadowrun, but we're not giving you a choice. But don't worry. The elements of a group are still there. It's just futuristic. The elements of a dungeon run or a shadow run are still there and they're very similar. Don't worry about it. It's okay. And D&D can't throw a fireball. Well, you can in shadow run, but can I be a dwarf? Well, you can in shadow run, but <laughs> is there a tavern old timey with barmaids and a weird story and a mage to come save me that has a long beard? Probably not. I mean, you can, nah, it just seems wrong. I'm not doing it. And that's, <laughs> and that's what it turned into, right? Here's what I found out though. I felt people had to be tricked. And to play. In fact, I did it. I had a home game dedicated for like, I want to say 18 years, right? Going where it didn't matter what, if Bob was running it, the same 20 people would show up. And, you know, it's actually a bigger list. It depended on who was wanting for the campaign at a Santa group thing, told who's lining up and we do it. And that's how I pitched Requiem. And that's how I lost the numbers. No lie. For, it, it didn't matter what I ran. Call a Cthulhu game. Great. Once a, once a year in October, Halloween night, Bob scares the crap out of you. I had people bounding on the door to be in that game. Uh, Werewolf, great, we're here. Uh, we're going to play a ghoul game, great. Templar game, great. Black Hand game, great. No question, no experience needed. These people were diehard in it to win it. The moment they showed up, I said, we're going to play Vampire, but I didn't tell them it was Requiem because I already had the hullabaloo about it. I was like, here's pre-made sheets. Don't worry about it. What the hell's a Deva? <laughs> well, just, just bear with. Bear with. We're going to get into it, guys. We're going to play it a little. And all night I kept hearing, well, I got the dice. Do I roll dice even? Well, yeah, you're going to roll dice. But like, you know, why do I snarl at that guy when I see him? I don't want to snarl at him. I'm a I'm a diva. I, I just well, I'm a gang girl. If I'm a snarl, shouldn't I just kill him? I, uh, <laughs> let's let's work through this, folks. Let me let me help explain and role play it out. Just nightmareville, right? Well, as I went through it at the end of one session, they were all like, this is kind of badass. I like that. Uh-huh. Um, let's restart Maybe. the game, though. And let's add the uh, the elder points. I just stared at him. I was at the elder points. What are you talking about? They were like, let's break this open. Let's just, okay, fine. Let's do that. And I had literally everybody on the back end. Like it was all hype. It was like, Bob, you ran it. We loved it. We liked it. It was great. Yeah. When like 10 people were in the room and then the moment game broke out, it was, I can't play this shit. It's so like somebody thinks it's so fancy filled and, oh, it's so different. Oh, there's all this. It's just nonsense. It's just written bad. Yeah. I'm building this up a bit. Uh, but, Ultimately, it was bad feelings. And I asked one question, everybody universally, did you read the book? And they were like, well, not really. It's just, you know, and I was like, okay, well, if you don't read the book, how does one critique the findings? How do you do that? Well, when I like vanilla ice cream and only ever have vanilla and only ever order vanilla and you come out with strawberry and chocolate and every other variation in it. And I say, that stuff sucks. I know it already. It's not vanilla. It's not for me. It's terrible. It's a little bit like imagine a nine-year-old in your head crossing their arms. Fooey. Yeah. You change my life. Fooey. 
I know exactly what you mean. So let me let me ask you this, because uh, I wasn't around uh, in, in the, the, the gaming crowds at that point. But um, you remember when the new Star Wars movies came out? Mm-hmm. Right. The first new trilogy. And there were a lot of old school fans like, no, I don't. I reject it. Right. Without even seeing it. Did you see a lot of parallel between that? Like people's behavior with that versus this? Is it just like a rejection of something new? It is. But I admit yeah. I, I immediately got it. People are incredibly mature in all the decisions they make in life. Absolutely. Save one entertainment. When it's entertainment, <laughs> we let it, it's truth. We let go in entertainment. We let go of like, that adult. But. Isn't that a thing with entertainment, though? Isn't all entertainment really just escapism? So if you're going to escape with entertainment, if you're going to be immature about anything, doesn't it make sense for it to be what entertains you? It, no. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. That's that's the whole point. That's what I'm saying here is that it's not bad how they reacted. It is that folks try to rein them in and, and turn it into an argument. Right. When someone says, I don't like it because it's different in my entertainment, they're saying, I am not putting more effort to master another hobby in another section that seems very similar to what I just mastered. I'm just going to have fun with what I know and pound sand when it comes to the other one. Except if you're a Requiem fan, you know, especially if you played V20, this is where the vampire heart pumps. This is where you start getting into that dark feel of what they intended with the game. Mm -hmm. And to that end, I'm going to turn over to you guys. When it comes to Requiem, what is Requiem compared to what V20 is to you? Okay, I wasn't actually prepared for that, but uh, this is this is my gut reaction. To me, Requiem is the very like uh, it's very primal. It's very dark. I feel as though when I'm playing that type of vampire, I'm expressing like some of those like more uh, like darker predatory aspects of like, uh, well, what people enjoy about being a vampire. Right. Whereas with Masquerade, every time I go back and read that book, I read the description of that clan's. I feel as though like, yeah, they do a good job of describing vampires, but I don't feel as though they do as good of a job as describing an actual monster as I do whenever I read about the clans in Requiem or I just read the like the base description of what a vampire is in Requiem, how territorial they are. That's perfect. What about you, DJ? Uh, To layer onto that, um, in comparison, especially me coming in from Revise and as soon as that ended and Gehenna struck and we went over onto Requiem. Having um, not to worry so much about so much meta lore, right? The the meta was very, very heavy and trying to get into it, I could see where it definitely was intimidating. And as Brendan mentioned, taking a look at these clans where it were drawn out in such a way that it painted such a picture, but it didn't paint the picture of vampire for me. So as I started reading it. The personal horror started to sink in more because it felt like me being part of a bigger cog instead of the story being specifically about the character I was creating and how lonely, scary, monstrous that this particular could, uh, you know, this particular kindred in Requiem could be versus that which I saw in um, in Masquerade at the time. And that that totally drew me in. And that's uh, that's that's the core of what I keep whenever I play Requiem. So hold those perspectives a second. Try to keep those in mind as much as you can, because what I want to roll through here is, is I, I want a comparison. Let's let's pull out the magnifying glass and let's look at this right okay. now. A couple things <laughs> off the bat. Everyone's saying, I know in Chronicles of Darkness, there is a base character you make. It's a base mortal. And they do that for the entire line of books that comes out. Mm-hmm. Requiem being one genre that of vampires. We're aware of that. We're not trying to, to run a clinic on how to make a Chronicles character, at least not yet. What we're doing first is let's make sure that we've established ground of interest on the vampire line, which is the hot one. And that's and that's the goal here, right? Uh, why we said it's good 25 years said it was good. We all talked about it. We talked crap about it, saying it was great. Let's prove it. And so here, let's start with what we were saying. We know the theme is the same, right? Same as it was in, in 25, or excuse me, same as it was in 
uh, V20. <laughs> we know the theme's the same. It's the same as it is in V5, right? Um, that's not different. We know we got a gothic horror show going on. Punk is the thing uh, that's still there. We know it's personal horror. All that stuff is still there. Yet, when you get to the embrace of the actual vampire, right? When we're establishing the vampire basic here, what is a Requiem embrace? Now, everyone, to embrace is to make <clears throat> a new vampire. So if you're hearing this for the first time, it's referred to as that. It's sort of a gentler way of saying, uh, you know, I drain you and kill you and bring you back, so to speak. But Requiem doesn't necessarily follow that line, does it? No, not in not in the, the least way in terms of how it was compared to V20 or rather Masquerade, I should say. So I'll, I'll refer to it simply as Masquerade. Um, why it's important, especially because of this and the way that the Requiem is done, this, this language, this verbiage is very, very impactful because the Requiem is usually a dirge um, played um, for funeral, for death, but it also could be a celebration of a life, right? So that automatically puts the lens differently. Now, speaking specifically about the embrace. We're skewing that, Requiem, though. We're, we're skewing that a little bit, though, like direct. How do I make yeah. a vampire in Requiem? Willful embrace. That's is- that's the... It's a willful embrace and to, to put the magnifying glass on it. It ain't just by mistake. It's just not because you drained someone dry and then they woke up and you poured a little bit of blood. It's because you yourself meant for this to happen. You invested a portion of yourself to, to gift it, to, to give that dark gift onto uh, a chill at that point. And that is, that's like topping on a cake. That, that gives you more of a focus on yourself and accountability or not for your actions. But it, it, it places laser beam focus on it, I think. To... To kind of, I guess, put that magnifying glass between Requiem and Masquerade embraces, the the like base overall like description might be the same, but I never read any description of an embrace in Masquerade like that made me feel as though it was like an intimate affair or like almost like a baptism like Requiem did because it talked about what what DJ mentioned, right? It is a very willful. You literally give a piece of yourself, not just of your blood, but of you to pass this curse on to another thing, it drains you to a degree in order to to pass this along. So it has to be no one there will there would not be a frivolous embrace. Right. Every embrace would come with a reason. With so an, and carry a weight. So what we're talking here is in Vampire the Masquerade. Um you have it to where when someone's gonna target a mortal to embrace them, there is a, a defined process that you drain them of their blood and when it's all gone, you know, you take the last drop as we're now fond of saying in V5, mm-hmm. um, you turn around and introduce some of your blood into them and they awake a vampire evermore. Really simple, right? In and out. It's part of the problem. You mentioned intimacy. Well, it is pretty intimate. Or is it? I suppose I could just exsanguinate them by giving them multiple slashes and they bleed out and then time it perfectly and give them blood. I suppose I could uh, lop off a limb and watch it bleed. I suppose I could do any number of things. But the point is exsanguination has to happen and then I give them blood, right? Requiem doesn't make that distinction. What Requiem states in this quote, it begins with death, a torrid rush of blood spilling from the throat or wrist of the victim. That does not say to exsanguination, I'm pointing out. It just means they need to die. Right? That's exactly how I read it. And it says at the right moment, the vampire tears her own skin and places a few drops of precious batay on the lips of the victim. The dark magic works its blasphemous miracle then. The vessel dies, and yet he doesn't. And what I always took from that, I've read this several times, and whenever I went over it, it gave a create, it charged me. It gives me a creativity to even read that because it tells me that you're very much right, that what sits in them is the will to create something like them. It reminded me of all those uh, Greek demigods being made, right? What was Zeus doing when he flew around to do, you know, he was giving a bit of himself to each and every one. Mm -hmm. And when that son or daughter came back to him or he saw them from afar, a look of pride or whatever, they were his get. And that's how it went. 
And in Requiem, there's an ownership there, too, because you're not done. What's the difference there? If I'm a neonate to a sire in Masquerade, it more or less is just like, hey, thanks for making me high five. Hope it works out. But in Requiem, there's sort of there's definitely something more there. There is. I think, you know, you just mentioning that makes me think of number one, you're not going to find Mass Embrace uh, like the Sabat do with, uh, mm-hmm. with Requiem just because I was like, that's not happening. It's impossible to happen if only because of the intimacy required there. But then you don't get the annoyed sire who just like previously, as Brendan had mentioned, created a chill. Then he's like, you're just annoying. Can you go away? And or I it's because there is a love, even if it's a twisted love, right? Mm-hmm. Close to like his niece of sorts. There is a love and a huge relationship um, that would be stated between the sire and the child. And, and I see that blossom a lot more in my my brain meets <laughs> just even thinking about it that way. In my brain meets. <laughs> but what, but what, what, I, what I'm getting to here in your brain meets there, sir. <laughs> but what, I, what, I, what, I, what I'm interested in is that that blood tie. Mm-hmm. That blood tie is mm-hmm. a thing. What what is the blood tie? The um oh 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 you're talking about the um the sympathetic connection that a uh, a that exists between not just a sire and a child but a vampire and their clanmates, right? So um and, uh, well that's news to me. You're telling me that if I'm if I'm embraced by a vampire, I don't just feel a connection to my sire, but to the lineage. Yes, that's correct. There is um. Uh, <clears throat> when you start reading some more like, uh, well, the, the book will go into it more in, in depth as you go like uh, deeper into it. Um, but um, to to explain that more, there is what the book calls a uh, blood sympathy, right? Um, it is never as strong anywhere as it is between a sire and shield. This is not uh, to make that less nebulous. You can't telepathically communicate, right? Like uh, like Charles Xavier to uh, to Cyclops. <laughs> But uh, what it does is you can feel moods, not just like across a room, but across a city. If you're if you are in danger or your sire is in danger, right, or frenzy or exactly. dies, you will feel that there will your beast will to, to actually be more uh, specific. And as your your ties branch off from that, right, you have a weaker connection to your brute mates, to your sire's brute mates, to your sire's brute mates, children. Right. That gets weaker. And then there's a small weak one to every clan member, right? That's why you can, um, well, that's one of the ways you can tell which clan, uh, well, if someone might be related to you or not, right? Through the, the, the blood is literally a tie that binds us. And I saw, and that was, um, I remember when I first read that the description, right? And I, that was, that was so cool to me. That's always been one of my favorite things about Requiem. Like it's a small thing about the, the game, but every time I think about Requiem, that, is something that pops up in my mind about it. It's a game changer. It's a game changer on many levels. There, I can't even tell you the number of vampire actual horror <laughs> films and novels where, hell, everyone can contribute to this. Even Mina felt the emotions of Dracula mm-hmm. from afar. Yeah, right. She that's constantly true. felt them in her dreams. She felt them, and that's what it is. And people want to talk about being some power, or whatever. It is a power. It's called the blood, and the blood is the life. That is the point, and they enhance that here. To where you do feel that there is responsibility. Ergo, there is a source for vampirism. If it's strong to your sire, what of your grandsire and aunt? Does it go up the other direction? And it and it hints that it might. It very well might. And that's how it is in certain situations. Yeah, it does. And it's it's a mechanic too. And it does it does both here. What I enjoy about this is that there are players who in even this is back in masquerade days in a LARP who would just assume would always ask this question: Is my sire dead? Would I feel that? 
mm-hmm. because they put such emotional investment in that mentor that if that mentor was now dead, they were asking permission. I want to lay it down and let go. I want to unleash my wrath on who I know killed him. That's what I want. Please give me permission. Please give me permission. Requiem made to why wait? Mm-hmm. Yes, you can feel their fear, their anguish. They are staking her during the day. They are burning him while you sleep. You do wake in your coffin, impotent, raging against the walls as you can feel them sizzle and hear that final goodbye before they're gone. And strangely, you're happy for them. But more than that, you're, there's a wrath. There's something built to you to get revenge or not. Maybe they were monstrous and need to be put down. Either way, you have that closure on top of it. That is more than what a lot of masquerade writing ever even gave you a hope to help to understand. And that's, and that's what Requiem more than alludes to and opens the door for. It's just one cool thing. But aside from that embrace to the connection to the ties, you then had, well, what is the point of calling it Requiem? DJ, you started to go into this. You said Requiem is what again? Requiem is what's typically played. Uh, it's uh, music that's usually played as a dirge um, at a funeral, right? At someone's death. Uh, typically either um, to celebrate someone's life or just to, to give that portion of mourning. And I think this is where Requiem stands out the most is because that's exactly what your existence is. It isn't it's funny how that how the, the titles of the books are, right? Masquerade Vampire, the Masquerade versus Vampire, the, the Requiem. Whereas at one point, you're probably taking a look at it from a perspective of like, hey, I'm just trying to cover up something and or I'm trying to live out a facade of an existence. Um, you are now living in that perpetual motion of am I alive and or am I dead? Am I in celebration of something or is this dirge just continuously playing because I'm mourning, you know, what I once was. And I like that. You know, it says that the Requiem is a forced ostracism that may literally last forever. No wonder then that so many of the kindred blind themselves to it with their petty schemes and rivalries, their endless war. The dance macabre uh, might be the only way to escape their damnation, and even then, it is only a distraction and not true redemption. So, here we see that here, Requiem's point is to place pit one vampire against another in mm-hmm. some capacity. Not necessarily to the death, but to the point of entertainment, right? To shatter ennui. Instead of ennui being an elder problem, it is every vamp, every it's immortal. everyone's problem. Right. Yep. Everyone yep, has yep. it. And the more interesting this gets is like, okay, if a blood type potentially could rip through everybody in a city, right? Because in Requiem, you having blood ties means that if you're a sire and you make one chill, then they make a chill, then you're in one area before it's settled. Potentially, you're the only ones there. Mm-hmm. And if you're the only ones there, well, great. After a while, you're going to start picking on your little brother because you can. <laughs> Why? Because you're bored. There's only so much you can do, right? He, he loves that girl again. What is it? It's been It's been 50 years. The last one went, what, 25 years he was with her? Ah, well, heck, at least this time he waited till she was 16. I don't know how he learned that ritual to walk in the sunlight. I hear him and his dumb brother got rings to do it. Uh, yeah, I'm referring to Twilight. That's how I see it, right? That, that might be a thing that happens, right? You're, you're hunting high school chicks. Your eldest brother's giving you crap for it. Like, can you let her go? Yes, she was good looking. I promise there's a whole world of good looking people out there. Even guys. Can you live a little? You're immortal. <laughs> like, like, figure it out there. He's like, but I, I'm living in the sunlight because I, too, want a perfect volleyball score. Yeah, all right, whatever, you know, but you might mess with that. That may be your entertainment and it's possible. I'm ripping on the film a little bit, but only ribbon, I should say, uh, because I could see it. I could see it. Anything to bring that entertainment, whether it's you have a friendship that could last for a long time or what have you. It is something that is going to make it to where it is not always you hunting and being the predator that you are and are reminded of constantly in Requiem. I like that, too. And in reminding us of that, there is something that goes on. Uh, between that, right? If I'm a 
recently embraced vampire and I go walking through the city and I encounter my very first vampire, not even a part of my line, even if they are, what happened? The Predators Tank. Yeah, love that. So what's interesting about Requiem that uh, it, it once again, focus, super focuses on self. And because vampires are treated as apex predators in their own contention, much the same way cats can't help it, solidarity hunters. And when you start competing for meals and you start seeing another apex predator, your hackles are going to rise. You know, either you're going to know it's going to be either an alpha predator or you're not the alpha. And at that point, you'll be stricken by it. But what mm-hmm. makes it interesting, entertaining from a perspective of storytelling is you could always tell. You could always see another wolf in sheep's clothing amongst others. And at that point, it's like, what are you doing here? This is my spot. This is not yours. Whether or not they want to. And that creates amazing tension um, at first glance. Now, that's something beautiful that they do. The number hmm. one thing, Hart, I say this a lot. You can probably earn quarters on it from some drinking game, but uh, <laughs> I feel it's a, it's a good point uh, to bring up. I should start saying that instead of number one, but uh, a good point to bring up is that the predator's taint gives an excuse to conversation. Now mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. Most of your players wait for you to introduce someone to game, right? Bring them in. This is the new elder of the evening. I made my whole session for this elder who's at a nightclub who just got done singing, who's sitting down and they don't notice your elder because they don't know that's a vampire. You didn't say it was. They have no way to notice it is. And they go sit down, whatever, get a drink. You didn't describe a dynamic fashion other than they're a great singer. They're plotting on maybe going on, maybe not. And all the other machinations, they got other stuff to do over here in a the corner. They're not concerned with that, blah, blah, blah. To avoid that, you know, it's Requiem. That person singing on stage, them walking into the room, a, a pit of fear might hit them instinctually mm-hmm. that they got a master. They can't let that show in public and just wonder on stage. We now know who that is. That singer, man, they got to. They're in control if they can maintain that belting soprano she's hitting in the middle of that, but does not give in to her predator instincts to force the young to flee the room, to leave her territory. That is built in. And that is a mechanic that absolutely lets you know that you are a vampire. That's mm-hmm. not a human thing. We don't snarl at each other. I take it back. I was in a fraternity. Um, <laughs> uh, that is similar. I just said, just had that hit me in the head. You know, regardless of fraternity parties and how you would run off the other riffraff that were from Greek bro, you know, because we hosted, damn it, we get to be the only ones. Anyway, despite that, uh, (laughs) all right, I guess it does exist. But the point is, we were never monsters. And in Requiem, you definitely are. Mm -hmm. So that is a a point to maintain. But then they add on top of it, the dance macabre. Right. So the dance macabre, where that fits in is the dance macabre is the uh, is the interactions, is the relationship each requiem has with another right every vamp the relationships the vampires have uh with the others right so what what facets does that take well on the base level it's uh it's feeding right every vampire like dj said is uh, like that predatory cat and like those predatory cats you have your own territory it's something you're going to either already have or you're going to get at some point right because you need to feed but once that uh thirst is slaked Right. Well, what else is there to do? Do you just go back to your club and sing? Well, that's only entertaining for so long. So in the dance macabre, what's come up instead of uh, having like sex, as you call them, I can never pronounce that word. It's S-E-C-T. I'm not talking about sex. Right. Instead of an organization <laughs> right? or your factions. Correct. You have covenants. And the thing that um, I love the covenants in this game uh, always have. And I could honestly tell you. It is because every one of none of these is like a, a top down hierarchy, right? There is no uh, no inner circle of the Invictus. What it is, is there is a guiding philosophy for each one. Uh, but now, Bob, what, I, what I don't want to ruin on that is that I think you're right. But I think that's advanced step. 
Like you're yeah. absolutely going right where that is. The dance yep. macabre here, the outlines is a pursuit for social contact among peers in any entertaining fashion, which is what you outline. And, mm-hmm. and going into those is definitely one of those. But it's something that I know people miss this point where you get it instinctively. And I'm positive DJ does too. Why would it refer to it and separate on its own? And it took me a minute to get there. And I think that's what I got from it is that it does not have to mean that you belong in what they call night society mm-hmm. with any one of those. It's saying that you have a routine. You have something you do that is interaction with other predators. You need to interact with other immortals because they're the only ones to know you throughout the ages. And there is an ostracism forced upon you from the Requiem, right? It makes it to where you cannot be immortal anymore. That world rots and dies. And because of that, you're left onto your own. And it definitely makes you feel like this, this creature. In order to break that down, you may go sing for an elder. Can it always blows my mind that that's never done. In a lot of games, that you're somebody sitting there with a four or five and a stat, and we're talking about Masquerade, mm-hmm. but it's never an idea to go and I want to play a concerto, you know, or whatever for for an elder and, and truly put on this display. And I plan this event and I go to do it, but without everyone going, we'll make it an Elysium. Everyone will show up. You'll play it for a crowd, and everyone will be there. And I think to myself, not everybody cares about that, and that's that that's a background that's not about that. It's it's about the intimacy that this character mastered a skill set. That makes them human. That's really what it is. To you, you might just be playing a song because you know Prince such and such enjoys it. To that prince, it's a callback to humanity from when they sat and they did observe in a time when people competed and it was natural for the, for the best possible show to come play at a court. And they were there. And they get a chance to sit and listen and let their memory kind of take the fore. And, and they're just reminded of what it was to breathe in and, and those good moments. And that neonate gets awarded or then Ancilla becomes a favored, uh, well, I hate to say it, but like parakeet, <laughs> right? And it's, it's, sorry, DJ, go uh, ahead. No, no, you're, and to layer onto that is think about masquerade in terms of every character you create. For whatever reason, it's always sect play as the first thing that you take a look at because you're drawn to it, right? It's like I am in service of the camera. There's always an issue with the print. Uh, and so when you're starting to think about how your character should interact or what are your nightly activities, it gets muddled because it's always like a late, it's a focus to go like, I have to please the hierarchy in one way, shape or another. But this is much more intimate because this is a selfish need. Mm-hmm. This is you. And, and this is something we've seen in, in masquerade in the, you know, the elder, the elder book. Right. Um, but this automatically brings it to the forefront. As we mentioned before, this is the first thing you think of is like, I have to stave off my boredom. This is your, like in, I guess in our day and age, this is your YouTube every day. You got to just go. <laughs> Plug in to see what's happening at one point or another, just because you need to to quicken the blood somehow. And I think that's what makes it so great is from the get, you know, you're ostracized. Follow that up with the fact that I need something to keep myself entertained. What am I doing tonight? And this is how I do it amongst other predators. And it's a great way to relate that to the dance for Cobb. Let's not compare it to another vampire game. Dance for Cobb states got to have something to entertain you beyond the normal routine of your existence. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. many people, it's discord. It's a social network that you've developed there with other people. It would end up being, you know, Xbox Live, because that's where a lot of people socialize too, getting together with their friends to do whatever. It might be on Steam. It might be that you just get together and play. What was that game where everybody's sus? Sussing among everywhere. Us. Among us. Yes, Among yeah. Us for sussing. You know, that begins <laughs> a social mechanic. Everybody needs these social mechanisms, and that and that is an actual, you already know what the dance macabre is. What is your routine that you do that makes you you? And Requiem puts it on you as common, meaning this is not a skip step. We're not even making a vampire until we understand how you are mm-hmm. as this creature. Because you need to. You need to be there. But also, though, 
the clans. There's there's like so many clans that you could play in Requiem, right? Initially, mm-hmm. now what it is out of this book? No. There's like fifty clans you could play right now out of book one. No, 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 um, hell no. Hmm. You want to hmm. handle this, DJ? Well, yeah, please yeah, do. I'll, I'll, By the way, I'm aware that there are a lot of books that get into a lot of bloodlines. Yep, right. That take it a different direction. But when we're talking clans, what are, what are the clans? What are the differences? Well, let's not get to the differences. Let's just state what we got going. What are we working with in Requiem? So what we're working with in Requiem in terms of clans is that they've taken every trope that has existed and kind of just distilled it into five core clans. And because they are the basis, when you take a look at it, right, what are the, the key things that, that come from lore that, that drive out? And in this particular case, they, they distilled it into five. As mentioned, it was the, you have the Deva, um, who are centralists, but also demons based on their names as well. Mm. You could see that later, but it's very cool. Uh, they're, you know, because there is no way to find out who the progenitor was, all they could tell was they probably came based on their names, perhaps originated somewhere in Persia. You take a look at the Gangrel who had come in from Eastern Europe and they embody the primal forces uh, of how they react to their environment. You have uh, the Maquette who may have come from somewhere deep in Africa in terms of them being able to stick to the shadows and they have a mystery about them and there are things that they dream about and interact with. You have a look at the Nosferatu um, who are relatively young who had shown up sometime around Rome, uh, along with the Ventru, who happened in this game version to be the youngest of what they consider being uh, of the clans. And they are regal, and they believe in, in ruling in their own right and or have that in them. But those those core stereotypes do exist there, and, and it's all into that. And as Bob had mentioned, there are bloodlines. We'll get into that a little mm-hmm. bit later, but for the fact that you only have those five core clans, I think makes it great because you, you get to focus in there afterwards on, like, what does your vampire truly distill itself to? Uh, one thing I do want to say about these clans is that even though there's only five of them, five of them compared to the the compared to Masquerade's plethora of clans, they're they're very broad. They're very they're very flexible, right? Uh, a gangrel could be a, a snarling savage, or it could be Shere Khan in a business suit. Uh, a Ventru could be like that power CEO, or it could be a king of the sewers, right? From that, uh, what was what was that character in the Batman animated series? You know what I'm who I'm talking about. The penguin? No, 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 not the penguin. He had like a bunch of orphans that like stole stuff from him. He was basically Fagin from uh, Oliver Twist, I think. I remember that. Actually, you made me think of the Rat King anyway. I'm just saying. Okay, he yeah, that too. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> but uh, aside from that, though, there's there's more depth to these clans as a whole. Like Deva, what always struck me out for them is as the book described them as sexual predators, and that is because the predator in them, um, things in Requiem, their disciplines are not. There's not a school you go to. No, there's not an academic process to it a lot of times the power is innate and in the blood mm-hmm. and one of those innate things that deva have are of course that presence isn't it it's it's called majesty in this um mm. because that um to to kind of harken back to that right presence was the emotional twisting power of masquerade right but it wasn't just it, it was kind of diverse in that it would make them love you but it could also make them fear you right but in this they kind they cut that power into two so the the part that twists people to make them love you, obsessed with you, that's called majesty, and that's what these deva possess. And that, I want you to pause there, right? Because mm-hmm. that's very that's exactly what I wanted highlighted was that split from it. Because I've heard people refer to the deva they get presents, and I've always laughed because they never read majesty. It's so mm-hmm. much and more. Un, and to understand it, this is the effect of having stardom. If you can look it up, watch mm-hmm. Prince in an interview. Right, it's something I saw recently that I couldn't stop talking about it. Right, because Prince immediately has this this hostess smitten right and it's so obvious right he's not even i rewound it and listened to him or rewound it to listen to him 
all he said was, no, nah, we can do this together. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to have you sing, but I'm going to play a company. And that means I'm going to play this guitar, but you pick the song. That's all we're going to do. But, but Prince, I don't know how to sing. Uh, Heaven's America. I can just see her with yeah. a fan trying to fan herself, but she doesn't go that far, but she's reeling. Why? This super sexy man mm-hmm. has all the charisma of like, he is a household name, household name worldwide. There is nobody. I describe Prince as the guy who any, any guy in the world, wife calls you, I just cheated on you. I'm going to kill somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. Wife calls you, honey, Prince came to work and I messed up. Oh my God. Ed, well, did you screw him? Yeah. Well, what do you want for dinner tonight? <laughs> right? Why? Because you're not Prince. I don't care how cool you think you are as a husband, as a guy. You're uh-huh. sitting here going, even you, you're going, man, I always wanted to be like Prince. There's no way I could be. That's exactly how I see somebody encountering a Deva. Yeah. Well, let's get let's get real here, jokes aside. And also, it is not cool, right? Matrimony and blah, 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 blah. Your belief's <laughs> your bag. That's, I'll throw you the ball back. You can deal with that drama on your own time. I was making a joke. But I need to... <laughs> I said, you just know I'm going to get fired first for that. You know, someone's going to be on me. No, I'm not condoning it. Just do you. Uh, but when it comes to, when it comes to Deva, that same presence that you can see that Prince has, it's implied that even a neonate Deva has it when they, when they approach a victim, but they don't even realize it. So imagine you made just humor me two scenarios here. One, it's some guy in a park gets made by a sire and that sire agrees to stand off and just observe. Mm-hmm. Why? Because creepy sires are always that way. And they just want to see how you react to your new environment. You go home, it's in a panic. You don't know what happened to you. Why are you still alive? All this stuff. You just, one night at the club, that's usually the trope. And there you are. And when you wake up and you start calling people, asking for help, it doesn't do anything. But then let's say the neighbor comes over. It's a lot of noise you got making. What's going on? And you're like, I don't know. I This, that, and the other. Oh my God, let me help you. It looks like you're a little, oh, you haven't, you haven't fed in a while. It's like, I'll clean up for you. Let me help you out. And they're in this room. Never in your life. Would they just decide to be in there? But there's something about you now that makes them want to come and be near you and be around you and be there. And the older you get as this Deva, the more experience this majesty grows in you, the more people are drawn to you. And I enjoy reading parts of Requiem that get there where there are Deva who see it as a curse. Mm-hmm. They can't shut it off. It's not something they can just get rid of. And it's always causing them problems, except it isn't because if you think of the dance macabre, that's exactly what they wanted. Uh-huh. They want that and don't know it. There are elders looking at them going, I remember my first set of stalkers. <laughs> I remember what that was like. You remember the guy who hid in the closet and jumped out with that weird eclectic set of like sexual toys and didn't know I was a vampire? <laughs> I remember the look on your face too, Sheriff. Da, 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 da. You know, right? Or friend or what have you. And it's always one of those things, right? That's, I mean, let me stop riffing here. But the, the ultimate point is, is that that's one clan who looks at something that you would think is the same coming from uh, coming from a v20 side it is not the same it is not the same it's handled different because the next clan nosferatu has a version mm-hmm. right there what they have they have that darker half of, of the presence discipline to harken back to that divide and i have to say there nightmare might be tied might be my favorite discipline out of requiem to be honest and i i try not to go straight like mechanics for my reasoning for anything but i just can't get over how awesome nightmare is and that is just fear used as an actual straight up weapon against people as control and if you're really good at it or an elder with it a way to kill people with nothing but fear and (laughs) i'll be honest with you i think my perfect description of a nosferatu and requiem is just watch the first it movie 
because Pennywise, except for being out in the sun, he could just be a straight Nosferatu with what he does. That's true. But why? What makes the Nosferatu different? Then, you know, and I'll explain it because I'm, I'm posing it as well. Is what makes the Nosferatu different in Requiem versus as it is um, in Masquerade is it's insidious in terms of the beast that's projecting from you. The, you'd be lucky enough if you just looked ugly on the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be a mercy, if anything at all. But what if you are just a regular looking person, but everywhere you walk, the longer you end up staying there, people start hearing voices. Because you're emanating from things that are teasing them. And it's your beast just outwardly pushing that nightmare out of you like an aura. And that's your flaws because you can't stay mm-hmm. somewhere too long because something will happen. So one way or another, you don't have to look ugly, right? It gives you the option of either taking the direct outward approach or you could be more playful with it and get much, much more depth out of it if you start taking a look at your options. Maybe, you, you know, one of the characters that I remember reading about, every time they put on clothes, the clothes would just start to rot. No matter what he put on, it could be a brand new suit. And as the evening starts to happen, <laughs> the curse will start manifesting that things will just start to fall off and slough off, right? Or a smell will emanate something. And that is what makes it cool to see how it reacts to Nightmare. And we're, we're highlighting an unspoken rule, but I want to point this out too. We're highlighting how supernal, mm-hmm. superior supernatural Requiem is compared to Masquerade. There's a lot of nuance that's thrown in to make you feel otherworldly. That needs to be there, like what you were just talking about, DJ. Why would that suit rot just because you have not? Because it's the curse. Nobody knows what that is. And that's another point in Requiem, right? We don't know the origin. No one does. Mm-hmm. Many people have an idea, like Masquerade, you could probably, you would lose money to ask a complete stranger, hey, do you know Vampire Masquerade? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, do you know the origin story? And then where Cain like, killed Abel and whatnot, and there's a curse? Yeah. I'm I'm convinced mm-hmm. that anybody can answer this <laughs> quiz. It's so common. Yeah. Right. If not, they'll definitely smartphone it. Yeah, I'll know that in two seconds. But bump, boom, there it is. There's like 50 billion sites with that on there. And that's exaggerated, folks. Please don't <laughs> count. And that's the uh, and that's the idea behind it, right? It's just a common thing. But in Requiem, when we take away that safety net, we pull the binky out of your mouth and you have to wonder, well, where did they come from? Well, once that happens to a group of immortals, you come to another facet that is different than in Masquerade. For instance, ever wondered how you could be immortal, live 500 years, and have perfect memory recall? Yeah, I, I always thought you couldn't. That, <laughs> that never made sense. I can't remember what I ate three weeks ago. That's all I'm saying. Put me to a test. It, meant, it better had a standout performance mm-hmm. for me to remember what the hell it was even called, let alone what it was. That's, that's, that's a to-do, right? But wait a minute. I'm told when I become an immortal, my memory, my brain capacity is the same as it always was. The same ability to recall info as it ever did. Okay, so there's no mental chemical reaction needed to bring up memory? No. Okay, well, if that's the case, isn't it stagnant as well? Less apt to learn new things, we're resistant to what? Because if I go back and mm-hmm. revert, isn't there something that goes, we don't want you to get into that. <laughs> spooky words, spooky words. Somebody somebody let off some fireworks, distract Bob. Go over here. We don't need to explain that. Yeah, otherwise, that door again. otherwise, this would be like the vampire version of Memento, right? Which could be right. fun, but has a lot of problems. <laughs> so, But does not Requiem tackle that? <laughs> they do. They do with the, uh, well, as they call it, the fog of ages, right? And uh, I, I love this this facet about the game, not even because it solves like that that problem, that question people pose, because it's never one I honestly cared about, right? That's a, that's a, a I, I can suspend that disbelief for that. But why I love this is because it's not you just can't remember, right? You do have memories. It's insidious because they're just wrong, right? So imagine there is some some Ventru or Julii back from the Camarilla that was maybe in the Senate chamber the day um, Caesar was stabbed. But 
<laughs> so without the without the words that we don't know that you know because you read them. Now I know those terms, okay. but remember we have a whole audience doesn't. Okay, so Senate like that. When I talk about that, I mean like uh, the Rome, right? And I said Julii or Ventru. Those are just other vampire clans, right? So when I say that, I mean some super old vampire that's over almost two thousand years old at this point. But I say that go. just for this this example, right? And maybe you you and I know Bob that uh, Caesar was stabbed what twenty three times. And Brutus was amongst the conspirators, but maybe that vampire remembers that uh, Brutus tried to save Caesar, right? And they both died on that floor together. Only now he goes back and like he's reading a textbook about it or something and he's reading this is wrong. And now he's like, what? No, I saw him fall. I saw them both fall. Right. So that that it's another aspect of personal horror that they bring into this game. Even if you're playing an elder game, you can't escape it. There's nothing you can really fight against it just that existential angst of everything you know is wrong and you don't know what you know is wrong right what how can you point it out because some things you remember will be right and other things won't it's it's a brilliant add-in because you need to establish why somebody would walk into the sun mm-hmm. why would it if i were immortal and super rich and the hottest person around i'm going to develop into what would aphrodite the goddess be herself right it, I know you know I am hot. I know you know I am powerful and I am rich. Why would I ever notice you? And who would ever give up that power? Why would it ever care? And at what point do you just seem like a, a super being than personal horror? And what Requiem states is you don't remember any of that. Your life, like you said, is something you hope is correct. Mm-hmm. You have a dream journal somewhere or something to help you out or someone there. And won't they get into that? But the point is, that's what they're referring to. That there might be a time when you're like five centuries. Pfft, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> everyone I knew and everyone I know and love, I can't even remember what the love of my existence looked like. And she died 400 years ago. You know, I was too young to protect her. And I, I had revenge, I think. I think there's something that went on with it. I think I, it's weird. I have all these mementos. And I think I killed the broken sword. I think I killed the guy who killed my first son. Or was that my fifth? Did I have multiple sons? No. Oh, my descendants is who they were. And you get the idea. When you play a rip van finger mm-hmm. it's like you're trying to figure it out well when you can at what point do you go this is just a clean slate the Bularasa. i begin again mm-hmm. yeah you either become more monstrous focusing on the base things that make you happy and bring you pleasure to get into that or you're somebody who's trying to reconstruct what was back in the day to figure out who you are tonight and that's that's a process that's great that's great that gives players more power to tell their story i feel good thing however to help us along, we have these smart groups that have gathered to help vampires in their immortality. And what we're talking about is Covenant. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the first one. It's one that Bob always uh, wags his stick at. It's the Carthians. And what's the Carthian? Uh, a Carthian is a, uh, to put it simply, uh, is a kindred that attempts to solve kindred problems with mortal solutions. Now, when I say this, I mean uh, they are almost entirely. Uh, the youngest of the of the dance macabre, right? And uh, well, typically angry, angry at at something. Usually, how society is set up. So, reading through most of these other covenants, you'll find there's a, a commonality in that. It's usually, the elders at the top because they've been around for a while. They're strong. They're wise in the game, uh, and they hold the most power. Typically, well, these Carthians, these young kindred, typically don't like it. <laughs> they want to. They don't like the way the chessboard is set, so they want to flip the chessboard. These are the young firebrands of the group. And so they will tear down the typically like feudal uh, government systems or try to. And they will try to instill something 
maybe it's a, a council. Maybe they'll actually try for democracy. But the overriding thing that is always the same because they might have different approaches, it always fails. It always falls apart. And what they end up being is just a constant source of change. Well, what's interesting about that to me is that that's the entirety of why the Bruja clan was created. <laughs> right? I was about to say. So, it's, <laughs> that's cray cray, right? right? That's, that's the black guy I can't avoid. Right? That's why I shake a stick at it. Shame on you. Shameless plug. What worked in Masquerade will work and be in Requiem. Is what that, I, that's what I call the Carthians. Is it wrong? It's an easy go-to. You're going to always have a group that feels trod upon. We didn't get our say. We don't get our way. And they're always going to band together to form some club to rebel and march and whatever mm-hmm. they're going to do uh, to try to do. But they have to do it in vampire society. Well, vampire society is going to kick back. Yeah, But did you also notice how that's also done is because think about it this way. Instead of having to deal with one clan who just espouses this entire emotion, now you just have this ideal mm-hmm. without needing to tie it into a clan. So now anyone could feel that way <laughs> and just act upon it. All this is, is anyone who's ever been in a masquerade LARP and there was a Bruja clan meeting and they're having fun as people are shouting at each other in impassioned speeches and they're over in their venture meeting. <laughs> Let's, let's hear how our stocks have gone up and things have gone down. Anybody want Reginald the Retainer? He's unfathomably wealthy. I'll trade you for meanwhile the Bruja clan. You want to go? It's time now. Let's use torches and duel. You're sitting there going, oh, man, I at least want tickets to that show. Um, man, get my leather jacket and uh, put a little more mascara on. Why? I'm going to sneak in the door and claim I got lost. Right? Because I just want to belong. You, they bring fire and interest. Yeah. And obviously are needed. And so I know why they brought him in Requiem. You can't be without it, right? It's you're going to have that. And there's your choice. They, but, sorry. I was just going to say, if this is a gothic punk game, the Carthians are the strongest source of punk in it. And I, right. I do have to say, they are not my favorite covenant. I still like them a lot. Word. I agree with that. And that's an ancient term. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so when we get to Circle of the Crone, though, this is new. Yes. Isn't it, DJ? Is it? I don't think so, because we've seen this in other clans and bloodlines before. We've seen this like in the Aramines. We've probably seen this with Leonins as well. But how this espouses itself, especially in Requiem, is they all know that unlike any other covenant that's been around, they know that power had come from something primordial. This is about your gods and goddesses. These are things that you've already been worshiping for a long time. In fact, what makes you wonder or what makes you even say that vampires didn't exist, you know, prior to, to the times that we know now. How modern are they? It's, it's almost worth saying that so long as man existed, vampires existed because vampires eat to hunt on humans, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. therefore, it exists. Uh, the biggest difference, though, in terms of their approach is, whereas everyone else is on a, such a temporal level, they look within. They, they tell you, being a vampire is exactly what you have to do, and you can reach your apex by continuing to be what you have to be. There is no sense of having to worry about your guilt. Ain't no worry about looking back. Only you determine, this is like Fight Club, you, you <laughs> determine how deep into Fight Club you want to go, right? And every one of those things are trials and tribulations, and every time you defeat one obstacle, it just means you just got that much higher on the run. Uh, that's the best way I would probably describe uh, Circle of the Crows. Of course, there, there are a lot more, you know, there, there's a lot more pageantry kind of involved with it, which goes deeper, but if we're just taking a look at a top, the high-level approach, this is where we at. It's a cult. Yeah. Any other way, right? It's a cult. It's like, we don't know how we got here, but we're a cult. This is our idea. This is our mythology. Hop on board. Kool-Aid's free. Kool-Aid. <laughs> right exactly exactly so you know no need to get too much into it but uh, it is there because they also invented their own sorcery mm-hmm. that's what they have too definitely involved in the blood why they're able to some for some reason tap into the curse and come up with another way of using it right and uh, as, I, as i read there's no set thing 
for the crone, like different covenants can have different uses or titles for what they have because right. it's bent into the mythology of the cult. And that's beautiful. That means what? There is no plain Tremere, right? Tremere don't form to the left. Get your book. And your book is the same thaumaturgy that everyone will use. Mm. That's heretical, Pop. Why would you say that? Tremere, everyone will be throwing their hands up now. Is it? Is it true? Uh, you're right, though. Is he right? Because uh, to, to be honest, actually, there is something in Requiem that sounds a little bit close to it, and that would be the Ordo Dracul. Uh, no, not at all. I'll really? contest you in a second. You'll contest yeah, me. Not all right. All. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Not at all. Uh, so <laughs> what we're going to drop down to is what we're looking at here is the uh, Lancia Sanctum, the Order of the Lance, as it were. And a lot about these guys, I've, I've even debated a bit with it because I actually like them the most mm-hmm. out of all the covenants, because I like the fact that they believe they descend from Longinus. We're of one mind on right? that that's, one. That's the guy who shoves the spear in Jesus's side to make sure he's dead. Mm-hmm. And it's assumed that from that, that blood made him what he was, made him the first vampire and guilt and shame and all that fun stuff. They did a lot about it. They wrote a lot of cool things to it. I know it's not all in slam dunk one book here, uh, so we'll you know reduce the volume for it. But the fact is, with them believing that, you have a you have another cult that believes in religious practices and through the discipline and catechism and, and all sorts of ways of being unto God, because that's where Longinus originated his power. And it's assumed they believe that that's where they came from, and so that's what it is. So much so, though, like any good religion based on, well, Christ, apparently, you can wage war, right? They do in some cities. We'll burn everyone out who doesn't believe like we do. Absolutely. And that's right, wrong, or indifferent. That's another level of villainy, but it's also a throwback of brilliance for the people who, you know, for the, for the authors, because what they're saying is in history, same things happen. Mm-hmm. Misunderstand a message that was supposed to be about uh, everyone, you know, do unto others and all that stuff and be at peace. And people used it for war and as an excuse for personal gain, all that terrible things that did happen. They acknowledge that it's not any different. Just because you're a vampire now and you believe it's not like, oh, yeah, turn the other cheek. No, it's bite the other cheek. (laughs) You know, that's that's what it ends up being for these guys. Uh, They're very that that religion is is to be first off the the charisma to have to lead a religion is everything. And definitely Lance the Lance has a lot of that going on. And it's the same message they're droning out everywhere, which is different than the circle of the crone. Circle of the crone, as you said, was primordial. It depends on the land itself to the mythology that resonates in the territory. Well, the Lancia Sanctum comes like Rome of old. They even have elements of Rome built in, and they feel like it. Why? Longinus, spear, <laughs> crucifixion, Rome, right? That's why it's there. That's what it goes with. So, um, and that's that's really them without, they have their own books. We're trying not to give away everything yeah. in the shop. But um, to that end, save us, DJ, the Invictus. The Invictus, the Unconquered. Uh, they are probably the most, even, they're probably the second youngest out of them all, especially after the fall of Rome, they started to band together. Once they saw that another group that had attempted to create a larger organization under which all vampires would be able to live under, otherwise known as the Camarilla, at least in the Requiem, and saw that fall, they were like, no, 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 no. Whereas they felt we won't. Our covenant will be the way. We will be able to work with mortals, figure out how they move and operate, and create our dynasties. And within them, they keep the status quo. They're the closest thing to the Camarilla as we have in Requiem, but so much cooler in the sense of how that dynastic approach happens that aristocracy happens there's so much that works with it as well that they're they're almost found in every city it's almost hard not to to see them happen but let's not mix this up i mean the first estate or the invictus Mm -hmm. um they what they're not the camarilla because the camarilla does exist what is the camarilla in requiem the camarilla in requiem was the uh well they were the vampires of rome and when i say the vampires of rome i just don't mean that one city alone they claimed 
everything within the borders of the Roman Empire or the Roman Republic at yep. that time as theirs. They ruled it as as one count as one group with the Senate at the top. And well, we can get into that in other books. But it was um, as glorious as it was. It fell along with Rome. Well said. And that's the point. The Camarilla was. Mm-hmm. They're not it. And the the one would say the descendants are where you can see that's where the well the covenants in a way right each embody an aspect right. I feel um, but the Invictus are like the torchbearers though they're the ones keepers of the flame of an organization that they felt was still needed mm-hmm. no matter what but they too are not the ones ruling entirely in fact no one covenant seems to own everything unless of course they manage to beat out all the other covenants mm-hmm. and that's that's a rare thing typically negotiation get along to get along is what you play with. It's an interesting part of the covenants, but I don't want to exclude the last one. It's the Ordo Direct Cool, right? And that's because it might be the Ordo of Cool. <laughs> and and here's why, right? It is. The Ordo Direct Cool deals directly with Dracula. And you will never get me to say that this is, I've heard everybody try to go at this and call it cheesy and what have you. And this is just, you can't let go of Dracula. Because you can't. He's a vampire. You can't let go of Dracula. Of course he's, not. He's not a vampire. He's, he's the, the vampire. He's the you right? can't you can't ignore him. You can't have anything <laughs> uh, anything related to vampires and ignore Dracula. But I'm going to steal this one from you if you don't mind, Bob. Uh, the the biggest thing about the Order of Dracula and how they differ from every other one is that while all the other covenants always have some public facet to them, the Order of Dracula are by and large a secret society. Right. That means that um, they they'll talk in in uh, in the section that goes over the covenants that uh, m- the vast majority of kindred only belong to one covenant unless they're hiding membership in one. If you're going to find a kindred that's hidden amongst others, most likely it's going to be one of the dragons or one of the defiant, right? And these guys, um, I, I love these guys because they harken back to the the secret societies of old, right? There, uh, we talked about the uh, philosophy each of these covenants has theirs is a twisted version of enlightenment of overcoming the the restrictions of the curse they're now in that's what they've dedicated themselves towards and that's 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 really not i mean that's the tip of the surface yes that's mm-hmm. what they do in general but to understand that they do go at it with a hardened philosophy and belief in dracula and his bride and that's and that's where it comes from that's what makes it cool and as you read because if that gets your interest at all well, how could you write about Dracula in, a, in an interesting way? Well, I'll tell you what. He's not a member of the Encanu in Requiem, okay? <laughs> so let's just let's just nail that what it is, right? Everyone agrees that that was like, okay, you had to have him. There he is. Move on. But, you know, they put up Chronicles and all that stuff. We talked about that, and we even riffed on it a little bit. Uh, but when it comes here, it's like, great. This is where it's flavored just right, right? Because you could see a group of vampires going, what about Dracula? Well, I don't know. Have you ever met him? Hey, what if somebody said they did? Right. And that's and it's a thing here. Right. And that's one of the cool things about Requiem. And so but what this highlights from Covenant, even how a vampire is made that we've gone over so far this run is that it's brought together one ideal and that it is more of an intimate process between the players and the storyteller to make a character for Requiem. Mm -hmm. Each character is tethered and built to be everything added into a story in its backdrop. You have to be, you know, the prince is not someone who's coming to acknowledge you. The prince is someone on the territory who permitted you to exist in the first place. And it has to be that way, even if you're not aware of it. Why? The prince is going to be aware of your sire being there. Mm-hmm. There's nobody hiding and sneaking in because you have this instinct impulse that kicks into where you will meet each other. And folks will find out why you are there, which means territories are watched and defended. And there's this whole society built on doing one thing. Uh, the dance macabre, trying not to be bored 
let's figure it out. A threat can be interesting for nights on end. The anxiety from that alone, some elders pay for, right? That's that's how that goes. And you have the clan structure, and that's a society unto itself. You have the blood ties between you and this, that's a society unto itself. What if you didn't wake up in this era? Welcome to yet another social tie-in, mm-hmm. right? As you try to find others who might be the same way. You have so much here that states we give an intimate care about you, the player, and the storyteller, about what's fun, what you want in your game without slamming in your face. That's not canon. That's not written in the book. And this says then write what is mm-hmm. and make it a part yes. of what should be there. That's a beautiful thing where Masquerade was already written and everybody enjoyed that play. I'm not saying it's wrong for doing it. It is fun, right? It is good. I am a fan, FYI. Uh, but <laughs> Rock Room is where my heart is. Yeah. Because I feel that's where they actually care about how the feel of it should be. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where it goes into and uh, why you find interest. And we're not we're not done, but we are pressed for time. Uh, that, that being the case, there's a lot to go over. We're going to continue this uh, next week, starting up with the Coterie differences. And uh, maybe not just differences, but how they see Coteries working in Requiem, which is going to be unique uh, to because the Chronicles of Darkness, they just do it differently. And uh, it's something that should open a lot of eyes here in a, in a lot of years when you hear it. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, DJ Brennan, I want to thank you for being here. Of course, of course. And folks, if you have any questions at all, as soon as we're done posting this episode, by all means, meet us on our Discord, send your questions. We'll be more than happy to discuss it there. Once again, we only touch the tip of it, but if you want details, we'll answer you. rest of the book to come, we are going to discuss the disciplines more in depth, although we did touch on Majesty and, of course, Nightmare. There mm-hmm. are more, and we will touch them. Unique backgrounds, different ideas of how to build things and where they go. Even different chronicle types dealing with genres exist in the, in the base book. Just mentioning mm-hmm. that they could be added later. There's a lot to the book. These guys are going to guide us through. I, of course, going to keep us on the flow, and uh, that's what we're going to do. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll tune in next time. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM, at our email, info at 25yearsvtm.com, on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25yearsvtm, or on our website, www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade.